Welcome to the All About Digital Marketing podcast. The show all about digital marketing, digital marketing, digital marketing, digital marketing. Brought to you by Socialink, a digital marketing agency specializing in social media and content marketing for brave brands and forward thinking SMEs. I'm your host, Chris Bruno. And as always, we're here to bring you the most actionable tips, tricks, tools, and insights to help you achieve more when it comes to your digital marketing. Subscribe to the show and be sure to share with a friend if you found something useful or interesting. You can find all the show notes and more information on www.allaboutdigitalmarketing.co.uk. Bill, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me, Chris. Appreciate it. So I'm kind of excited because this is a slightly different conversation than what we would normally have on the digital marketing, all about digital marketing show. But today we're going to be talking about taking sales online as opposed to just people talking about online marketing, as it were. But before we jump into all that, Bill, who are you and what have you been doing for the last few years? Well, my name is Bill Murphy. I'm the CEO and founder of The Solar Cheat Code and now Cheat Codes for Sales Pros. We're a consulting marketing firm which helps direct salespeople uh, create uh, sales opportunities using online marketing to build their personal brands. I like it. And this comes from your background, because this is what we were talking about just before we hit the record button. Uh, You're not one of the people, as we mentioned, who just decided to start selling a course to teach people how to do this. You actually have a little bit of experience. Yeah, I came from the door-to-door industry, and um, this was something that I paid a, a consulting fee to learn the basics of funnel building. And I remember I was like back in 2015, so there wasn't like there wasn't funnel funnel building wasn't a thing at that point. And I was able to dramatically grow the inflow of actual appointments, so I wouldn't have to go door-to-door all the time. And uh, that sort of sprouted into a huge sales team underneath me in, in Houston. So the solar cheat code was just born of basically showing my friends exactly what I was doing. And it sort of developed into its own consulting business, which has sort of taken over my full time and attention thus far. I like this. And our chief commercial officer, who's probably listening to this, hopefully, um, he actually started door to door selling kitchen knives at one point, believe it or not, he's not that old, uh, but you know, he remembers the good old days of knocking on doors, trying to get sales. And that is, it's a very unique way to learn how to do sales. It's like a college education on psychology. And, and I think what happens is, is you get so immune to rejection, right? And when you get immune to rejection, you can pretty much do anything in this world. And, and you know, what I found was I would try to purchase leads to try to help myself save time and, and not be out all the time. And what I would find is these homeowners didn't really understand why I was calling, who I was, what this was all about. It was sort of a mismanagement of expectations. So I had to do a lot of heavy lifting on that initial like four or five seconds. And when I began learning myself on, on how to do this marketing thing, I realized that there's this opportunity to actually connect the messaging in the advertisement to what I open with on the phone and sort of bring that cold traffic audience who's never heard from you before, um, seeing your stuff for the first time all the way to, yeah, Hey, let's have a conversation about this particular thing, you know? And it seems like there's this disconnect with marketers where they don't necessarily have the sales piece of it down. So they, 
they rely on, you know, attention grabbing hooks and mismanagement of expectations, and that sort of thing, because they don't understand what happens after that, that lead is actually generated and who has to talk to that homeowner afterwards. Right. So that's where we close this gap with the salesmanship. It's an interesting thing, because if you've ever done cold calling or like you said, door to door, the ability to learn that rejection is nothing more than just, yep, cool, next, um, is an amazing technique and it's an amazing skill to actually have. And I think, like you mentioned, a lot of marketers haven't done the sales part. And I'm not saying that makes them bad marketers by any means. For anyone listening, don't get angry. But what I will say is that there's a an element of that within your digital marketing as well, right? How many things have you tried before you found things that worked? So you can, what I found was there's like two metrics that you pay attention to. There's like, I call it front end metrics where, you know, you can see your cost per link click, your conversion rate of your landing page, all these things. And then there's back end metrics, which are actually where the rubber meets the road for someone like me who's in sales. So you can optimize for low cost front end metrics and get cheap leads and things of that nature. However, what you really want to be doing is looking at that, the pull through, like what is actually the sale rate? Right. So when you begin to optimize the initial messaging and targeting to actually make the needle move deep, deep into the sales process, that's where like, it's like a fulcrum, right? Give me a lever long enough and I will move the world uh, in a fulcrum to place it on and I will move the world. It's the same scenario when the expectations of the leader being met in the sales process, then it builds this credibility and it's just, it optimizes the conversion into actual revenue for the company. There's an interesting part of this, and I'm wondering if you've ever had this as well with clients. We definitely have, which is, you know, we're looking for those quick wins. And when we have this conversation, the first thing I try and do is go, okay, cool. Talk me through your sales process. And invariably, if you can get them to actually dig in and open up, honestly, they'll be like that. Well, you know, from initial conversation through consultancy kind of period or whatever else, plus then the decision makers to take a decision. On average, you know, it takes us three to six months for an actual conversion to happen, like from initial convo through to signed deal. And at which point I'll be like that. So, so what's a quick win for you? Like six months worth of work to, to figure out whether that works or not. And this brings me onto the idea of the sales process within an organization. And especially within a small business, it can sometimes be really easy to get distracted by those front end metrics, as you called them. And right. not realize that actually the back end metrics and where it really matters, i.e., when the revenue actually gets deposited, can be hugely disconnected. 100%. So, how would people, how do you help people to really diagnose that sales process and understand that within their own business before they set about trying to do the fancy bits of trying to get the online marketing to help them? Exactly. You know, it's all management of expectations. People, they don't mind when you, when you tell them that what it is up front what people mind is curveballs after the fact, right? So, you know, what we, what we really are upfront about is the fact that the online lead generation, it's kind of like just another layer of, of cold calling. It's not necessarily like we're, it's very transactional still. So these leads aren't necessarily ready to sign on the dotted line or even, or even have a sales conversation with you. I think if you, if you know where that person's coming from and you understand you both have opposing agendas, right? Like they're trying to get information. You're trying to get them down the sales line. You understand how you kind of like withhold the information that they want to move them down the sales line to obtain that information. And it's just, once you start marrying those two things together, 
people really start to, because most of my clients are very, very good salespeople. Like these guys are, they're already making hundreds of thousands of dollars per year commission before they meet me. So it's not like these guys are are rookies. You know, our program isn't um, cheap. And when you really start to see these people who are very, very good at like six seconds on the door, like when they get someone who, who's actually open to talk to them, they're extremely good at closing that down. When you get them to understand that they can do the same thing, but it takes these nuanced tweaks because you're marketing to cold traffic, right? Then they understand that they can translate their skills in the door right to this online marketing thing and actually create this system where it's like a conveyor belt in, that runs in the background because they, they can be out physically door knocking. They can have appointments and people who are interested in speaking with them come in while they're out there physically door knocking. So it's almost like like duplicating themselves. We had this very similar conversation actually with um, so this chap, oh, I'm not going to remember the name now, uh, which is really annoying, but he did all of this pretty similar to what you're talking about, but for dog trainers. And one of the biggest issues that dog trainers were having was obviously the half hour to get to a job, the hour they spent or mm-hmm. two hours they spent with clients and then the half hour to get back meant that for two and a half hours, three hours a day minimum, they basically were dead. Their marketing stopped. They weren't getting back to people. They weren't getting people through any kind of a, a sales process to get them booked in, to get right. them signed up. And actually what you're talking about is exactly that. It's not replacing and it's not the be all and it will end all, but actually it's a remarkable way to make sure that you have something that works when you're not able to whilst you're doing something and it happens to all of us, right? When you're busy working on a a consultancy project or a different funnel for a client or something like that, you can't be in all places at all times responding to people and making sure that everyone gets signed up or even going door to door at the same time. So you need these systems in place to kind of generate those leads and that interest. You know what I've found is that everyone wants to make it to the proverbial next level, but they don't really understand that that next level actually means them being less available, right? They actually have to remove themselves to get to that next level. Cause it's like, you could take, you could take a bus to California and save a lot of money, or you could take a jet and get there sooner. And I think people who are, people who are investing in their wealth, invest in saving time over money. Um, and you know, on in direct sales, I mean, it's in the term direct sales. Like they are spending time with individuals, you know, so when you can when you can sell someone a high ticket item when you're in person one on one, then you have the skills to sell to thousands of people. You just have to remove your physical presence from the equation, right? And I'm telling you, I have clients who I have clients who were capped at a door to door income because they literally have to door knock to get the opportunities to then sell. So there's like this terminal velocity you reach. And uh, they go from they go from being out full time, essentially making a couple sales a week, you know, doing well, but a couple sales a week. And then, God forbid, they want to take a lazy weekend. They get sick, vacation. It all sort of stops, and they have to kind of build it back up again. And we have these people who are now selling in multiple states. I mean, you're talking sometimes 10, 15 different locations instead of their one 50 mile radius, and they're doing it from air conditioned offices. You know, so people are comfortable doing complex transactions like you and I are on the screen share thing. It's proven by companies like Rocket Mortgage and Carvana. And so why not direct sales? Why not an individual salesperson? Um, it's it's pretty empowering once you understand this is possible. Well, even more so, I think it's been proven without a shadow of a doubt over the last 
14 months or whatever it's been since COVID. Everyone's had to take everything online. Um, I've got colleagues and friends, people that work at big companies like Google. Uh, They haven't been on a business trip or face-to-face with a client, but it hasn't stopped the progress. It hasn't stopped new deals happening. It hasn't stopped business being signed. And I think that's the real opening point, I think, for everyone. It doesn't matter what sort of business you have. Online presents an opportunity. Would you agree? I would agree. I think you see a lot of office spaces coming into question. Is it necessary? Do we need it? You know, is what's the gain? Um, you know, so it's it's cool. I think, you know, again, some niches will move faster than others. I think the people who the people who physically work the hardest to earn income will continuously make less money over time. And then the people who can figure out ways to do more for more people by doing less physical actions, they're the ones that end up taking over more of the market share as time goes on. Okay. So we're talking about the big picture stuff mainly so far, but let's get into some of the nitty gritty. Sure. What are some of the ways that direct salespeople can actually get themselves into a much better position? So through the powers of social media, they can impose their will on an existing marketplace. And what they can do is basically reach different people at different times. And what I mean by that is things like Facebook and YouTube, they have more than just a conversion objective, okay? Like you can do engagement, video uh, uh, views, you can do post engagement, you can do these types of things where perhaps someone who would never click on an ad that is asking them to do something will watch 50% of a video that's relevant, right? And once they do that, then they start to see more of the conversion creative. So it's sort of like, you know, again, I think a lot of marketers just want to, They want a a transaction to happen, right? And they're not building relationships. They're not educating. They're not creating awareness. They're not exposing the problem. And this is all sales. It's all sales. So it's like when you marry the marketing, you get more people. Like, for example, solar power. That's my niche. If I run an ad that says, save money with solar power. I mean, in the United States, there's like less than 5% of people who have solar panels on their houses. So if you think about it, the marketing messaging on a solar advertisement is only reaching 5% of the potential people it could reach, you see? Because those are the only ones that are interested in that. But if I ran videos that were like comical, engaging, relevant to a local area, maybe explains one detail about going solar, doesn't try to shove it down their throats. Maybe there's no link in the ad. Maybe it's just a video and just a headline to provoke consumption of the video. Then I'm going to reach more people. Maybe I get... 10, 20% of the market, right? And then they all become my direct audience. All this iOS problems for direct sales, it's no issue because you can still create direct audiences. People are still on Facebook more than anything, right? And, and I think it, it, it comes down to that piece of it where what type of effort are you willing to put into the creative to build relationships and educate your audience before you ask them to convert? That's all it is. Like it's forcing us to be better marketers. And I, I'm, I'm up for the challenge. It's interesting. I was talking to uh, Travis Ketchum from Campaign Refinery about this the other day. Um, and in part of WWDC, uh, literally last week, they announced that they're going to be putting in measures to basically mess with all the open rate statistics for email as well uh, as part of iOS 15 and the new Mac OS. And you start combining all these things. And actually, the reality is the only way 
to really be able to connect with your audience and to be able to do something that's valuable and to build that community aspect, et cetera, like you just mentioned, is by putting effort in. So right. consistently creating good content, not that you just want to create, but content that's actually valuable to them, running some experiments with that kind of content to see what works better. And the final point that we talk to a lot of sales companies about, uh, when I say sales companies, I mean things like recruitment, right? Where you're just super involved in that direct sale kind of um, approach. But the biggest one we talk about is, you know, putting the social back into social media, like social networking. It's networking. We were supposed, like you don't go to a to a network in person event and sit in the corner shouting out 20% off. Yeah. Buy my stuff. You just don't do it. Excuse me. Buy my stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Like starting every conversation. Hi, Bill. How are you doing? So this is only 999. If you purchase today and you're like that, sorry, who are you? And we've forgotten that element. And actually that to me, like you, you, you said something really important, putting the effort in, are you willing to put the effort in? And if you are in direct sales, the amount you can achieve, even just on LinkedIn for B2B, for example, the amount of new connection, the amount of people you can be in front of, supported with awesome content that really showcases who you are, what you work in, what you're trying to do. That's a huge opportunity still today, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think, you know, again, um, it comes down to if you can improve the if you can improve the marketing. Um, you improve the relationship and, and I think the sale rate just gets better. And know what I'm very excited about that all these changes, every time I have, every, every time there's a change that happens, I look at it as this opportunity because I know there's a percentage of people who aren't, are just going to get shaken out, right? They're like, screw this. I'm going to YouTube only or whatever. You know what I mean? And then it's just more for me because we roll with the punches. We understand the only constant about social media is change. That's it. And I think if you're able to to have that mindset, there's always a path forward. I mean, they're not gonna they're not going to seriously jeopardize their billions of dollars of advertising revenue that comes into these platforms. They're not. You just have to become better at what you do, which means less people are able to to do it, and then you become more valuable in the marketplace. I, I do think we will see a big slap to all the. I'm going to use the word agencies very very loosely. But to all the agencies that basically are relying on, this is how it works. We run ads, we run retargeting ads, and we're lucky and we get some sales. Go, pay me, let's do this. I think that business model is going to disappear very quickly. And uh, I think, again, it's going to come back down to exactly what you've just said, putting the effort in to make good marketing and understand that, again, if you put relationships at the forefront of what you're doing, I think the possibilities are endless still with social media today. Anyone that tells me Facebook is dead or Facebook's only for my grandparents, et cetera. I just kind of chuckle and say, okay, I don't try and convince them. Otherwise I'm okay with that each, each to their own, but the opportunities represented are enormous. I still think. Yeah, well, it has that, f- that first mover advantage. Um, we haven't been able to beat the, like when paired with the right sales process and when doing the right marketing education upfront, you can't really beat the um, the cost per acquisition uh, on Facebook. You know, indirect sales. There's nothing better than it. And to be fair, if that's not a testament to this, and again, this might be you talking about a particular niche, but I happen to know that I know quite a few actually industries that still use Facebook very successfully and still stick to it. So sure. I think that there's a huge opportunity for anyone listening, small, mid-sized businesses especially. Anyone who thinks, oh, Facebook's dead, there's no point in putting any effort in. I suggest that you think about this in a different way. And now I'm going to ask Bill and put him on the spot to help teach you a little bit about 
how you can do that in a very basic way. Um, Bill, what does that kind of look like for for lots of your clients and how can small businesses or small to mid-sized businesses take advantage of that? Right. So I, I look at marketing as like a three-piece um, funnel. You have your top of funnel and then you have your middle and then you have your bottom. The top is all about awareness. Um, you know, the good marketing companies can can expose a, you know, they can so they can solve a problem in their marketing. The best marketing firms can expose the problem and solve it in their top of funnel. And then once people are aware, it's really just about street cred in the middle. Okay. So there's, there's opportunities for testimonials, case studies, before and afters, things of that nature. Um, and then there's, of course, the bottom of funnel, which is call to action. So that's sort of if you have those three layers going for your business, um, it's a sturdy structure. You should be able to run for a long period of time without a whole lot of optimization. It's kind of how Facebook wants you to do it anyway. Lots on the top end. Um, when we're talking yeah. about awareness, this is something that you mentioned earlier, and I think this is really important for people. Creating content, and we're big advocates as an agency for, we think every company should create it, and even most individuals should try uh, their best. It will help support their career and their professional moves, regardless of what industry they're in. But creating content does not mean, hey, I sell this or, Hey, look, there's a price and a special offer for this. So I'm wondering from your side, cause if I keep repeating it, they'll probably just think I've gone mad, but from your side on that awareness level, that top of funnel, what are some of the things that you can do? And you mentioned stuff like, you know, make something that's a bit more comical or something like that, but right. what are some of the, the concrete examples that maybe you can give that people have tried out or things that, you know, have worked for you in the past? I think if you look at whatever you're selling, whatever your business does for the customer, if you can list out all the features, right, all the features of it, and then you actually extract the benefit to the end user, right? So every feature, like what does it actually mean for the homeowner? What does it actually do for the homeowner or for the client? And if you can bubble the benefit up, right, to the top of the funnel, so the awareness thing, and we're talking low production cell phone videos. And actually, I, I believe that less production, it breeds more authenticity. And gosh, are we so like, there's nothing that's authentic anymore. And people are yearning for this type of thing. So, you know, you don't have, if you just stand in front of a, a, a window with daylight coming in, like I have here, it's, it seems to be enough quote unquote production. And again, whenever you can feel yourself thinking feature, flip it to benefit. And then that is going to be something that you can spin into a top of funnel awareness creative. I like that. And the thing that I like the most is authenticity. And this is yeah. something that, oh yeah, I've spoken about this at long lengths. Um, authenticity does not mean being who you think your audience wants you to be. It's just being who you are. And I think this is really important because people get this wrong quite a bit, I think. Uh, and I don't know what you think about this, but for me, there's a lot of people out there being what they think should authentically look like. Uh, and that becomes a real problem. I've done a lot of live videos. I've done a lot of podcasts. Um, I'm basically myself throughout all of them, mainly because it's a lot less tiring than trying to pretend to be somebody else. But also I say things that some people don't like. I say things that potentially maybe I shouldn't, uh, or I say things that I find funny and that other people may not. But at the same time, it is who I am. And our clients, when they do meet us, if they've watched any of our videos or ever seen anything and they see 
myself and my commercial director on a call, for example, with the first time they ever meet us, they will instantaneously recognize us as being exactly like we are if we're just doing a live video, for example. And that's something that I think is really important for everyone to take away. Being yourself literally does mean just that, nothing else. Don't pretend. Right. And you can still be objective. I think you can be yourself and then follow a process that is uh, intentional, you know, and I think people miss that piece of it. I think they think, well, I'm just going to be myself and I'm just going to talk about whatever, but it's actually a guided, uh, you know, it's a straight line that you're taking someone down and you're being authentic as you do it. And that's just sort of the, the right mixture of what you need in a sales conversation. I couldn't agree more. Um, okay. So people can create content based on the features, focus on the benefits Yeah. And you know what a good easy way is to go live. Okay. Because all of your friends get the notification that you're live, your whole network, your whole existing organic list. You can, and don't do the whole, you have to be objective. You can't do the whole, oh, I'm waiting for Jimmy to jump on and oh, there's Sandra. Like you got to cut to the actual benefit, right? Right. Feet, not feature, benefit of the feature that you want to cover in your short video. You go live and you watch to see what organic reach the video gets, right? If you do half a dozen videos and one of them takes off, one of them has three times the engagement as all the other ones that you did that week, then that's a pretty good bet. You could put a few dollars behind it and turn it into a top of funnel creative, right? And then if it works at the top of funnel, you can actually move it down to the middle with say a link. Um, Perhaps there's a learn more button, right? So it's like, that's how you can actually use the, the organic approach to discover which creative people actually engage with and then flip those into paid traffic creatives. I like it. And there's a lot to be said for experimenting, right? Because you sure. just mentioned it there. If you did six lives, if you're lucky, you've got one of them, like you said, that has triple the engagement. So straight away, you know which one is resonating more or which one's doing better. I think that a lot of people try these sorts of things once it doesn't go so well for them <laughs> and then they just give up. So how are some of the ways that you can help people to understand that they really do need to put some effort into this in the sense of doing one video one day once on YouTube, isn't going to make the cut. It's not going to find you results. Well, I learned a long time ago that everything is like the whole world is made of funnels, right? Um, you, you know, even in your own personal life, if you want to get a doctor's appointment, you can call one office and then they'll call you back and then maybe you miss the call and then you connect with them and then they have an appointment next week, right? And then uh, a week goes by and you haven't met with anyone. Or you could contact half a dozen doctor's offices and find three that take your insurance and um, one that has an appointment the next day. You know, so it's like, it's this funnel. So it's the same thing with variation in your creative, you have to have enough variation so Facebook can do its shuffling. And, you know, Facebook's not linear, it's fractal. You know, it, it pulls from all, it's like the synapses in your brain. That's sort of how the algorithm sets up. And I think people always try to run one advertisement using one picture or video to one audience. And then they're like, go get leads, Facebook. And it'll work for like, a few days, you know, and the, all your early wins are sucked out of the market. And then there's, there's nothing to, there's nothing left because there's no actual choices for Facebook to shuffle around. Right. And that's what people don't get. 
you're really kind when you say it, it can work. Um, but for a lot of people, actually, that's how they get burnt and then hate Facebook advertising. Right. <laughs> Which is, a, and I think it's a real shame because I think a lot of people have been burnt by like the boost post button is one of my, my favorites. Oh, yeah. I remember talking to, like, to wow, somebody Like, wow, I got really Facebook. cheap link clicks, you know, or yeah. it, it reached a thousand people. Yep. And there went all their money. And, right. uh, and I think that's a shame, but I think it's the same thing for whether it's Facebook or Google ads or anything else. If you're getting started and if you do, like you said, if you create Google ads, if you created one ad creative and used one keyword, the chances are, you know, you're not going to get it right, but Google will still display that advert and make sure they charge you for it, but oh, yeah. you're not necessarily going to get the results for it. That's right. So what are some of the rules? Let's call them rules and in inverted commas. Um, in terms of creating audiences, creating creatives for adverts, what would you say are some sort of achievable numbers, not for an agency, but for a small business trying to do this themselves internally? Well, in terms of my my field, my direct sales industries, I think you could you could probably get to um, somewhere between a thousand and fifteen hundred dollars acquisition costs. I think that's pretty predictable at scale. Um, I think as a business, you need to understand your trench because you're gonna you're gonna spend money and you're not gonna recoup that profit in a in a timely fashion. It's going to take a number of weeks and months. So if, like if you can if you can just manage your trench, then you can come out of it. A lot of people pull the the ripcord right before they're about to come. It, I, I'll see clients turn off their advertisements and then they get all these sales and then you know it slows down because they've they've they pulled it just too early, you know? So it's all about, again, managing expectations. If you can tell someone, hey, you could be $10,000 in before you see $1,000 of profit come back, then it's easier for them to swallow that when it actually happens. Yeah, and it's a, again, it's the old, I'm thinking of sort of the the graphic or the picture of, you know, the guy giving up at the diamond mine. Exactly. And it's just literally that next foot away before they actually claw through. But it's, it is a challenge, especially for small businesses when budgets aren't so big, let's say, or when, you know, spending 10,000 to start seeing results could be quite detrimental for them. And again, depending on what business you're in, uh, what you sell, or what your average sale price is, uh, or what your average lifetime value of a customer is. But I think that's a real challenge for smaller businesses. And what are some right. of the ways that they can kind of mitigate that to a certain extent? Well, you you just mentioned it a, a minute ago is lifetime value. I think a lot of these companies, a lot of these um, companies look at uh, a lead or a relationship as a transactional thing. They make a sale and they move on to the next person. And, and if you were to analyze, like, what type of transaction did you do this with this person? And what kind of information did you receive in that transaction? For example, with solar panels, what does a homeowner who goes solar tell you about themselves, right? They know, you, you know, for one, they're not moving, right? They just made a 25-year commitment to you on these panels, you know, so they're going to continue to invest in their home. And if you're only focusing on the solar system transaction, then your lifetime value is capped at a solar system. However, if you become the company that can service their needs throughout the lifetime of them investing in their home, then you can spend more upfront. You can be negative with the marketing and positive with the cash flow and the and the profit on the lifetime value, right? And that's just sort of 
it's either you charge more upfront and not worry about the lifetime value, or you actually are not profitable upfront and you've optimized the lifetime value. It's sort of like one or the other. I think the, the stat puts it at something like it costs about a fifth as much to sell to somebody who's already bought from you as it does to acquire a new customer. And when you look at those numbers, the amount of companies that we speak to that, yeah, we sold to them six months ago and you're like that cool. Like do you keep in touch with your customers or the people that you've worked with in the past, or even the people that you're currently working with? Is there anything else that they could be doing? You know, what does that look like? And a lot of small businesses will basically turn around and be like that. No, like they don't think about it. It's all about the new customer acquisition. And so I think before we wrap up, what are some great ways for people to actually use their existing customer base or the people that they've already worked with? And how can they use online to, to kind of re-engage with that audience? Yeah, I think it's really a lot of people try to create products or services and then find people to purchase them. And I think if you reverse engineered it, so if you found the, the audience that and then you you create the product for the audience for something that they that would solve a problem for them, then that's step number one, right? And then obviously um, the reengagement piece of it is is could be as simple as uh, text blast, email blast, um, direct audience on social media. You can use this data; it's yours. You 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 cultivated this information, right? And you can use it to stay in front of people. A lot of times, a lot of times it's just about timing with people. And if you have drip campaigns that are, you know, you could write an email a week and be done for life and you could follow up with someone for a year. And if, and when that person is ready to go, they have just received a communication within the week from you. So you are now top of mind and you're the first person they reach out to. Simple as that. Our commercial director, James talks about it as tapping on a window. And I keep telling him that sounds really creepy, but, um, but yeah, it is exactly that. And it's making sure that people, do see you. It's making sure that you do share content on the social channels. It's making sure that you do use that email list, regardless of how big or small it is, and that you basically make sure that you keep in touch with those people. I think that's a, a huge element. Uh, Bill, before we wrap up, last question. What's your biggest tip or hint, tool, whatever you want to give it, to help people with their sales and especially with that direct sales approach online? Well, I think it's um, keeping it authentic. I think understanding that the value delivery has to come from you first. You know, I think people just sort of expect things to convert off of cold traffic or warm traffic, and they're just going to be yours and you don't have to do much value delivery. Right. And I think if you just, you just understand that everything does sort of work on a, on a, you know, given you shall receive basis, then you're going to do very well in marketing. I like it. Bill, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me at cheatcodesforsaleofpros.com or my Facebook page, which is just Bill Murphy. So we post a lot of um, sales tips and scripts and things of that nature to help people become more successful. We do this because we understand that if we give it to you for free, then typically you'll end up being a client of ours at some point in the future. Reciprocity, right? Yeah. And if that's not a good tip for everyone listening, <laughs> I don't know what is. Bill, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate your time. The All About Digital Marketing podcast is brought to you by Social Inc., a distributed digital marketing agency specialized in delivering results through online campaigns. Whether it's content marketing, social media marketing, online advertising, or web design, we've got you covered from strategy through to delivery. 
If you're struggling with your digital marketing, get in touch today by simply visiting www.socialinc.co.